You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Hello and cheers. This is Zach DeBacco from the Drinks with Great Minds in History podcast. And Katie and Nathan wanted me to let you know that they use strong language in their podcast. So if that's not your thing, then this might not be the show for you. And really, neither would mine. But if you like a good laugh, great history, and a few cocktails, then you'll sure as hell love this episode of the Queen's podcast and might want to go check out my show too. Cheers. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Katie! So, are you ready to dive in to our next queen? Uh, yes, boss. <laughs> Today, we are talking about Irene of Athens. She's also known as the Empress Irene. And she was the queen of the Byzantine Empire, first as a consort, then as a regent, and then on her own. Booyah, bitches. <laughs> Nathan, tell us about this drink. So, what I made is a bubbly Greek cocktail. So, what is in that? is I did three ounces of vodka. They have a specific Greek liquor called like Orzu, Orzo. Oh my. Something like, not Orzo, that's pasta. That is pasta. Um, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. Maybe the pasta people make a vodka as well. <laughs> Maybe so. Ouzo. <laughs> <laughs> but Ouzo is like a licorice tasting mm. alcohol and I'm not a licorice kind of guy. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So I just did three ounces of vodka, one and a half ounce of lemon juice, and then a little bit of club soda on top of that. And then I got a little bit of honey in there too to give it just a touch of sweetness. Mm. Fabulous. Mm. Delicioso. Very nice. Very so, nice. Cheers. Cheers. So let's get back to Irene. Yes. So she was born in 752 in Athens, Greece. Ish. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and she was born to a politically powerful Greek family. And that family's name is... Chos. Yes. Nailed it. Sure. We don't, maybe. We don't know a whole lot about Irene's upbringing, but we know that she was an orphan. And she was raised by a relative named Constantine. And it's unclear if Constantine was her cousin or her uncle. Oh, gosh. Knowing, like, all of the family histories, especially back then, he's probably both. Probably both. <laughs> it's, yeah. The, it's probably unclear because it's, like, all of the above. Um... <laughs> But he was, like, pretty high up on the food chain of powerful dudes in Athens. So, cool. Yeah. That's a cool start. And that's about all we know. That's all we know. That's all, all, folks. (laughs) (laughs) So, we don't know who her parents were, how they died. We don't know if she had any brothers or sisters. Nada. (laughs) Nothing. Nada. (laughs) I even tried to, like, learn more about this uncle, cousin guy. And, like, because maybe then I'd be able to know more, like, a, if she was well-educated or anything, but just no luck. So, anyway, let's uh, let's fast forward about 16 years. <laughs> so, Uncle Cousin Constantine brings her to Constantinople. Istanbul was Constantinople. Istanbul was Constantinople. And they go to the court of the Byzantine Emperor, Constantine V., 
So I guess Constantine in the 8th century is like fucking Thomas in Renaissance England. Yeah, everyone's named Constantine. Everyone's named Thomas. Yes, yes, it's mm-hmm. the same thing. Same thing. In case you need a refresher, the Byzantine Empire is basically like Rome continued, Rome part two, Rome the continuation, but to the east. But they very much view themselves as like the Roman Empire. Yeah, we talked about it in the Theodore, Empress Theodora episode a whole lot. Yeah, which actually there's going to be some, um, there's going to be several comparisons to the Theodora episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, that might be... That might be a prerequisite for this episode. Ooh, we, we require a prerequisite. Yes, it is now a course with the required <laughs> reading material. No, JK, JK, it just might help you understand some things. Yeah, so it's assumed that young Irene was to be entered into a bride show for Emperor Constantine's son, Leo. So we've talked about bride shows mm-hmm. quite a bit in a lot of other shows that we've done. Uh, but when we've talked about it, They've always been in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Russia also viewed themselves as a continuation of the Roman Empire. Like, Tsar means Caesar in Russia. So this is where they borrowed it from. And let me dig myself out of that rabbit hole because I went down a pretty long one. Oh, I bet. Like... And I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Irene was brought to Constantinople for a bride show. And she was actually chosen. No, interesting caveat. We assume she was brought for a bride show. There's not, it's not actually documented. Um, But we'll get to like why that assumption is made because she really wasn't on paper a a choice that made any sense. Yeah, like somebody who was really high up in the nobility. Or yeah. So the guess is she must have been hot and charming. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. You know, Byzantine Empire wasn't, if they were struggling for a dynastic marriage or something like that, Athens was not it. Greece was already part of their empire. She didn't necessarily come with, like, a army or a dowry or anything, so. Yeah, and there's probably way more noble people that he could have tied himself to with Mm -hmm. more money and Mm -hmm. more power. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't... She just must have been hot. She just must have been <laughs> fucking beautiful and charming. Yeah. So, for instance, Irene's husband to be Leo, um, his mom was a foreign princess, was married to Daddy Constantine as part of a political alliance, and there doesn't appear to be any kind of alliance needed with Athens. So yeah. Irene is like it's a bit of a head scratcher. Casca say indeed. Must have been hot. Um, <laughs> I think that's her hashtag. Yes. Hashtag must have been hot. Must have been hot. It seems like maybe they weren't necessarily a good match based on their religious beliefs. And though they were both basically Christians, they followed very different faiths, which in a time when people's faiths were like you're killing your neighbors over having slightly different beliefs, you would think like in a marriage that might be problematic. Okay, so we're going to need to learn a little vocabulary lesson before you move forward with this story. Nathan, would you please educate us? All right, let me take a sip of my champagne. Yes. So, (laughs) iconophile. This is a phrase that refers to those of the Orthodox Greek religion who use icons. So, think those fancy Jesus paintings or the statues of the saints, anything that is an icon that people can use to like pray to, to worship to, any mm-hmm. of that thing. So next up on our list is iconoclast. And that is someone who practices iconoclasm, which is the practice in Christianity that basically believes that icons are the devil. Super evil. Devil incarnate. <laughs> and so iconoclasm literally means to smash an icon. They're, they're very literal people. I mean, I'm not by any means a religious scholar, but isn't one of the commandments like don't... Don't don't create false idols? Yeah. Correct a mundo. So I believe that's the iconoclast we're taking it to like the next level. Mm-hmm. But then the iconophile, the iconophiles, when you think about like Catholicism right now, my sweet old Catholic grandma had so many like statues and paintings of Jesus and oh, yeah, stuff in her house. Sure, so sure. those two th- those two things don't really jive. Mm-hmm. And it as it turned out, Irene was a hardcore iconophile. And guess which one Leo was? 
Oh, well, it has to be Iconoclast. Yeah, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, 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 yeah this is great. This, what could go wrong? Upper turtle. <laughs> so to use this small difference, it, it seems really small to us, but we see this a lot in history. Mm-hmm. Initially, it makes us think of about Empress Theodora, who was, was Empress of the Byzantine Empire about 200 years earlier. Her husband practiced Orthodox Christianity, but Theodora was a monophysite, which meant that she believed Jesus was one honey divine. Like two, like all God. So her husband, Justinian, believed that Jesus was part divine, part man. Right. Oh. But Justinian <laughs> loved Theodora so much that he was like, yeah, let me let me rethink this whole monophysite thing. And they were able to like have a very successful marriage. Spoiler alert! That is not the experience here with Irene and her husband. No, but on November 3rd, 768, Irene and Leo get hitched. Yeah. And again, we just don't know a lot about what was going on with Irene in those few years, so let's talk about the new family. Yeah! <laughs> her husband, Leo, would go on to be Leo the Fourth, and her father-in-law is Constantine the Fifth. Uh, Leo is only, like, two years older than Irene, so that's nice. Okay, refreshing. Refreshing! But Constantine and Leo did this thing where Constantine made Leo, like, a co-ruler while he was still Uh, alive. I think we've talked about that a lot, like, French kings in the medieval ages. Like, it's like, yeah, they they made them, like, a junior king so that they could make sure, oh, can they actually run a country? Right, (laughs) so they get, like, it's like an internship, basically. You get hands-on experience. But so that's what Leo was made, like, the co-ruler while his dad was still alive. And he had four brothers, and they were half-brothers, and they were not in to Leo (laughs) becoming king next just because he was born first. They were like, well, that's not fucking fair. (laughs) Well, get in the back of the line with every other royal thing. Right? It's always the oldest. Right. So... His one brother in particular is a name that you will need to remember. So, sadly for you, dear listeners, I'm not sure how to say this name. Nike Foros. Nikephoros? Nikephoros. Nike Foros. You want to just call this motherfucker Nick? Yeah, Nick. Just call him Nick. (laughs) Nick Nick the dick. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So, Nick had been secretly... Not so secretly. secretly. (laughs) Hoping that Leo would like die or never have kids. So obviously one day he can call himself the emperor. Mm -hmm. So when Leo gets married, Nick is a little pissed off because that means his children will be coming into their picture and then then that makes him further and further back in line. So obviously he's never going to be on the throne. So just kind of put a bookmark in that store that information tuck away. that information back in your mind it might be important later on Jan- in january 771 it's so hard for me i keep wanting to say 1771 17, but that's a thousand years later no in uh 771 january irene gives birth to a baby boy you've been on my mind fulfill my regency <laughs> yes uh they name him constantine because of course they fucking do real inventive with names here <laughs> and the couple seem to be happy enough at this time i do find it interesting they were married for like three years before mm-hmm. the before baby constantine hits the scene which leads me, one, it could mean that Irene is actually a little bit younger than we thought. Because okay. 16 back then, they would have been like, no, this is prime baby making yeah. age. Like, but maybe they got, because we don't know the year she was born exactly. So maybe she was actually like 14 or 13 and they needed to wait. That would make more sense. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they just weren't the most fertile couple. Or maybe there was, you know, other kids that were born and lost that we just weren't documented. These are just the things I think about whenever I... You wake up in the middle of the night with your insomnia. Yeah, just going, huh, that wasn't a whole lot of kids in so many years. Anyway. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. 
History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. So let's fast forward another four years. There don't seem to be any huge risks in the family at the moment. And it's even believed that Big Daddy Constantine and Leo don't really pressure Irene to give up her practice of oconophilia. Oconophilia? (laughs) Oconophilingus? Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) But no, they're like not, they don't seem to be pressuring her to give up her beliefs, which is... Cool. Yeah. Cool, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Then in 775, Emperor Constantine dies. And Leo is now emperor all by himself. And this means Irene is empress. And they've got the crown. They've got the baby. They're young. They're beautiful. Everything's going great. They're crushing it 100%. And that's where the story is. Okay, bye. <laughs> that's all, folks. <laughs> So Leo decides now that he's emperor, he needs to start taking the religious shit a little more seriously. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, fuck those icons. It's really weird because, like, it seems like he did, like, a full 180. I feel like something is missing from the story because he would never, like, endorsed her iconophilism. But, like... (laughs) He also never really seemed to, like, try to get in the way of her religious practices. Mm -hmm. And then just one day, it just seems like he's like, fuck those icons. And if you're caught practicing being an iconophile, you're being tortured, exiled, even executed. And they just, like, bust up all the icons Probably right in front of you before torturing you, which if that's a big part of your religion, is probably... Yes! (laughs) And Benzantine art is so fucking beautiful. I know, and I'm sure those people that had their poor artwork fucked up were like, why are you doing this? I know, like, I just... When I went to the Louvre and, like, saw the Benzantine, like, part of it, like, some of the... It's just such a distinct style of art, and it's so strange and beautiful. I mean, I'm not religious, but I hate to think that, like, so much more beautiful art was probably, like, destroyed just because they practice the same religion, just different flavors of the same religion. Bag of dicks. Bag of dicks. (laughs) Anyway, let me... Thanks for coming to my TED Talk about Benzantine art. (laughs) So, Leo's like, fine, we're not sharing a bed until you change your ways, because Irene... Is not giving up her fucking icons. Mm-mm. No. She's an independent woman. I am D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T. Do you know what that means, man? No. Independent. Okay. <laughs> I cannot spell. Yeah. <laughs> so she does not give up her uh, religious belief. And Leah's basically like, we're not sharing the same bed anymore. And she was like, um, my dick ain't shit. <laughs> D- direct quote. Direct quote. <laughs> New merch idea. My dick ain't shit. Irene of Athens, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but it does make you wonder, like, they've been married for like eight years, only have one kid. Maybe they weren't really sharing a bed that much anyway. Yeah, but it is possible she could have had miscarriages of their like, children yeah. that we didn't know about, yeah. yada yada. But was their sex life even active to begin with? Right, because they both gave it up 
pretty easy. They didn't seem that attached to each other at this no, point. No, no. We've had many of other queens who, you, they've been fucking like rabbits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they needed that D, and she was like, I don't need that D. So they're living separate lives now, but I guess she's still, she's living a life of, life of privilege because she's not being tortured or killed or anything, yeah. but they are living separate lives, but it wasn't just the iconophiles pissing Leah off. Leo off. Um, remember his brothers? Boo. Yeah. Well, he took away a big chunk of like land that long- belonged to, to his brothers to um, give the military mm. for like their use for training. Because back then, I mean, there were, their military had to be strong because like yeah. people were coming in from every which way. And so I guess he was like to his brothers, like, y'all, y'all understand that I'm taking all this land. And um, they were like, oh, no, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not cool. Nick and the brothers were literally like, what the actual fuck? (laughs) Nick and the dicks. Nick and the dicks. (laughs) (laughs) So Nick and the dicks (laughs) and his supporters start to plot against Emperor Leo. Mm -hmm. And this plot is found out and Nick is completely stripped of all his titles. And a bunch of his boys are forced to become monks. Which is apparently a... A thing. Apparently back then that was like a really common punishment. Just like, <coughs> you piss me off? All right, you're a monk now. What? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So they'd be publicly tonsured, which is the head shaving. Yeah. Thingy. Like, yeah. you know, whenever you think of like Robin Hood, you know, that sexy fox man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but whenever you see the Friar Tuck, right? Friar Probably. That sounds about right. Something like that. Um, He has like the bald head at the top. Yeah. Like, and so that's what they did. So they had that done publicly. So they were tonsured. And I don't know, once you shave your head, it just doesn't grow back. No Texas backsies. Yes. You're gods now. <laughs> You're gods now. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, but it's like a, it's basically like a nun, you know, where you live a life of poverty. Mm-hmm. So this was a big punishment. For dudes that were rich and yeah. had a life of success. And also, when you're a monk, you can't inherit titles. So they are out of the line of succession now. Ouch. Yes. And so, I mean, don't come for the king unless you know you're going to win, I guess is what Leo was telling them. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to wonder how Irene felt at this. Because, like, of course, we don't know. She didn't leave behind any diaries, letters, <laughs> correspondence. Dear diary, Dear- today I gouged someone's eyes out. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, But her husband has turned on her. She, and now she's learning that like, oh, fuck, there are real enemies against me and Mm -hmm. my little baby. If anything ever happens to my husband. Um, And we don't, it doesn't really sound like she had a lot of friends or anything either at court. And she wasn't, I mean, she didn't really have a whole lot of family back home anyway, and she wasn't in touch with them. So, I don't know, it sounds like a lonely and scary time. Yeah, and uh, sadly for Leo, um, his health wasn't so good. No. Uh, he got tuberculosis. <laughs> you have to say it with a, that accent. Tuberculosis. tuberculosis. Uh-huh. And died five years after becoming an emperor. That's just not a very long time to be emperor. No, ma'am. No. So, <laughs> <laughs> when he realized how sick he was and that it was like the end of his life, he had his nine-year-old baby son, Constantine, made his co-ruler. So, mm. you know, again, like... Yeah. Getting his feet wet, but really, how can your I feet think, wet nine-year-old? I think when you're nine, it's almost more that like if you are marked as co-ruler, it's kind of like, I think there's a religious ceremony that goes along with uh, it. So by going ahead and getting that done before Leo dies, it's kind of a bit like, you can't say no now. We already put the holy oil on him or whatever. You know? <laughs> God already said it's cool. So deal with it, you know. <laughs> so, this is all direct quotes. I yes. found this all in academia. Yeah. <laughs> so. In September 780, Leo died. Uh, Irene is a widow after 12 years of marriage. Albeit a very powerful widow. Very powerful <laughs> widow. But she's now, she is now the regent for her son. So she is effectively the ruler of the Roman Empire. And guys, female regents were not 
a thing back then. Mm-mm. And the time, so what So what does the military do at this time? They're like, vaginas. No, no, no. We can't do that. I so can't. they call up Nick the Dick. Nick no. and the Dicks. They're like, hey, Nick. Well, like, I know you're a you're a monk and everything, but like, how serious are you about that? <laughs> about be- uh, monking. <laughs> <laughs> about monking. How, how into this career path are he you? He was monking around. <laughs> so they're like, hey, your nephew is obviously too young to run this shit, and we can't trust a woman to be a ruler. Don't you know that the she's Boops. got she's got one of those uteruses and they they just float around causing mayhem. <laughs> like, I think that's what they actually believed back then. Like, <laughs> that your uterus floated around and caused mayhem in your brain. <laughs> God, Lord. So also she's like super into icons, which I think is something we're still you know, people are still going to be pissed about. Right. Because she's basically changing what the previous ruler had yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so they're like, if you could just, like, come and overthrow the woman and the boy, that would be thumbs up. Great. And Nick was like, yeah, cool. Be right there. On my way. OMW. However, Irene had already made sure to surround herself with, like, trust, like, from day one. I guess she had a time to realize that Leo was dying. Mm-hmm. And so she formed a plan. And from day one, she had a group of people she could trust and that she knew were on her side. And so they were keeping their ear to the ground. They knew things were happening mm-hmm. and that somebody was coming for her son. So before shit even started, she got Nick and the dicks arrested. So brother Nick. Oh. Real quick little thing that I just thought of. It's very lucky that they were coming to overthrow Constantine, little baby Constantine. Because if they, if they were coming in to be like, we want to be regents, I don't think she would have had enough support to be like, no, I'm going to be regent. But since they were coming to throw over the emperor, her son... That made it an issue. That made it an issue. So I think it's very lucky for her that they were overly ambitious. (laughs) Right? I mean, it played out in her favor. Right? So Brother Nick and his dicks uh, that supported him, they got off relatively easy um, to remind people that the brothers of Leo were monks and therefore could not title like mm-hmm. we said so she actually had them come to her and serve her communion on christmas day um 780 i always want to say 1780 i keep wanting to say 1780 too. <laughs> so, so 780 at a big church in constantinople the hagia sophia yeah it was like it was supposed to be like this big public embarrassment because everybody knew that mm. nick and his dicks had just like come and tried to like overthrow everything so for her to like force them to serve communion was like reminding them like remember your place remember the the plot or like the lot you have made for yourself in life you know nick and the dicks it sounds like a punk rock band it really does i'm pretty sure they were (laughs) pretty sure but no this showed a huge sign of mercy also because she didn't have them executed, you know? <laughs> yeah, but some of the generals and stuff didn't make it out quite so lucky. No, as, as she just Nick didn't have in his dicks. She just didn't have her dead husband's brothers tortured or killed yeah, or anything. Because that, that's crossing the line. Because that's crossing the line. But everybody else was kind of fair game. Fuck them. Um, Fuck them. <laughs> so most of them were either exiled, tortured, or executed. So yeah. Don't fuck with Irene. The f- Irene. 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 One of the traitors. This guy that was the governor of Sicily, Elphidius, he had like fled. And she was like, Elphidius, you need to get your ass back here. And he was like, new phone, who dis? And she's like, well, your wife and three daughters are still here. So if you don't get your ass back here, they're going to be the ones that's punished. And he was like... No hablo. You know, like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> and so, yeah, his his wife and daughters were publicly flogged. Ew. Isn't that fucked up? I think that is I the fact. I like to be flogged in, like, a mm, bedroom setting. Yeah, I don't think, like, this was not a sexy flogging. <laughs> I think it was just, like, the traditional ew kind. Oh, no. But this is, like, kind of our first glimpse into, oh, this bitch ruthless. Like, yeah. She showed mercy. She ruthless. She ruthless. She showed mercy when she knew it was going to be a good PR move. Mm-hmm. But with these with these women and children that she doesn't know. She's like, fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> so Irene turns around after all this and looks at her nine-year-old son. And she's like, well, shit. 
That was a pretty bad start to your role and me being regent. I need to be more than just a regent at this point. I need to be a co-ruler. I need to be more powerful to look out for him since clearly his daddy's family is out to kill us. Yes. <laughs> so she had coins minted, which, um, you know, was something... We've talked about it in all of our ancient episodes, or even like our medieval or renaissance episodes. It's very Agrippina. Have coins minted with the rulers on it. But usually, co-rulers were pictured on the same side of the coin. So like, Leo and Daddy Constantine would have been pictured on the same side of the coin with Constantine slightly bigger than the Leo image. Okay. Um, Irene was not, she, she was not into that. She had them put on separate sides of coins. So she had her own side of a coin and her image was bigger on her own side of the coin, which basically meant like, um, do not get it twisted about who was in power here. Mama's in control. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She also decided, Hey, maybe I'll teach my son that the, the, the iconoclasm that my religious beliefs are so bad anymore. They're not the devil. No, they are not. So Irene made herself co-ruler and started to work towards overturning the iconoclasm rules. Nice. During her regency for her son, I mean, she was as popular as a woman could be, I guess. <clears throat> you know, she she was a really intimidating figure mm-hmm. and she did that very much on purpose. That was a crafted, <laughs> a crafted image that she had for herself. Cold-blooded. During her regency, they also won battles to both the North and the South. And she starts doing, she starts like having these diplomatic meetings with like big movers and shakers in diplomacy and politics at the time. Uh, Charlemagne, who was the king of the Franks, which is like, like he's basically the first king of France, yeah. kind of. And then this guy named Huron Al Rashid, who was the leader of modern day Iran. And so these were like, Big forces to be reckoned with. And she's this woman working with them. Ew, vagina. Ew, vagina. Ooh. But at least at least to Charlemagne's credit, he really didn't seem to be like, ooh, vagina. Like, he's just worked with her. Like, so that's kind of that's, that's cool. Um, but she's capable is yeah. what we're getting at. Yeah. She's capable. She hires good dudes to run the military. She is, diplomacy is kind of her jam. She's getting shit done. And... Generally, when people aren't starving or dying at war unnecessarily, they kind of don't care who's ruler. Yeah. (laughs) As long as everything's okay. So she would, people didn't really have that much to complain about under her regency. Yeah. And people started to really warm up to her and started to be okay with her. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, she's like, time to push that envelope. Let's talk about that religious stuff. Push it. Push Push it it real good. In 784, (laughs) four years after her regency started, (laughs) she kind of quietly started to replace the religious leaders in town with more lenient Mm -hmm. leaders. And when that started to go over okay, she then decided it was time for some broader strokes. Yes. Irene starts corresponding with the Pope. The the Pope. She's going to write it to the Pope and be like, ah, the icons. They're good again. (laughs) Make the icons good again. Make make the icons great again. (laughs) And so she writes to the Pope and she writes some other wealthy dudes in the Eastern Orthodox Church. And they plan a council to settle if icons are, in fact, blasphemy or they're not. (laughs) <laughs> and so first they meet in Istanbul, Constantinople, not Istanbul, but Constantinople in 786. <laughs> but a bunch of soldiers come in, break that party up, and threaten violence. So they just scrap the whole thing. They're like, let's try again. Back let's to square one. Let's try again next year. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> but this time they went to grounds where they weren't gonna, people weren't going to be so hostile. Mm-hmm. And they went to Nicaea, Greece. I hope I'm saying that right. Nicaea? Sure. Sure. Nicaea is a bit of a trek. So, like, it was going to take them maybe like a month or so to get there. Mm-hmm. So, she brought her son on progress with her, which we've talked about in lots of episodes. It's a chance for people to see their leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, they it's a pretty big empire that they're running. Not everyone has, is going to get a chance to see them. So that was pretty cool. Um, they like there was one city that she went to that was just like decimated by war, and so she funded them to like rebuild their city walls, and they renamed the town 
Ireneopolis. I want a town named after myself. Nathanopolis? Nathanville. Nathanville? Nathanville. Yeah. I like, I like Nathanville. that. Just, it was a really successful progress, basically. Mm-hmm. And that town, Ireneopolis, is now called Bieria? Bieria, I think is how you say it. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> so, anyway, they get to Nicaea, and the council is a huge success. And obviously, the Popa was all in for the icon. Yes. I mean, we just talked about this earlier, though. I mean, I feel like Catholic people are still... They they like they like their... Like, because, I mean, I don't know. Would... Um, what do they call prayer beads? They call, rosary. Rosary. Would that be considered an icon? I no, mean, because I think that's more like... Maybe. It's, I mean, it's like a third-party thing that you use <laughs> for worship, so... <laughs> a third-party thing? I'm just imagining... Are you accepting this third-party Are you accepting this third-party... <laughs> from part? the rosary. I mean, it could... I mean, anyway, yeah. But yes. <laughs> the... Catholicism uses a lot of icons. So. Yeah, it's kind of their gig. Yeah. So the guy to get on their side to be against iconoclasm was the patriarch of Constantinople, a guy named Tarasius. 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 T-Man. <laughs> T-Man. But remember how we said Irene had quietly appointed all these like moderate religious dudes back home? Guess who gave T-Man <laughs> his job? Irene! So yeah, of course, he's like on her side. So now the council decides that it is illegal to practice iconoclasm and to ruin these amazing pieces of religious art. And Irene, this is the height of her popularity. Mm -hmm. She is on top of the world looking looking down down on creation a hundred explanation i can't find sorry hundred (laughs) percent absolutely i mean it's huge yeah that's huge and a lot of people agree that this was like a huge piece of work on her part and in fact in the orthodox greek religion she is a saint Oh, and her brutal f- bitches can be saints, too. Yes, um, Olga of Kiev. Yes, ma'am. Uh, and her feast day is August 9th. Hang a pause. You want to get another drink? Yeah. I'm Helena Bonham Carter, and for BBC Radio 4, this is History's Secret Heroes, a new series of rarely heard tales from World War II. They had no idea that she was Britain's top female codebreaker. We'll hear of daring risk-takers. What she was offering to do was to ski in over the high Carpathian mountains. Of course it was dangerous, but uh, danger was his friend. Subscribe to History's Secret Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. So, like, a lot of people were really relieved that iconoclasm was overturned. Um... Some people started to refer to Irene and Constantine as Constantine and Helena. Nerd alert! Nerd alert! <laughs> We're going to have some really nerdy history stuff here. Surprise, surprise. Uh, there was a Roman emper- emperor named Constantine the Great. And his mother, Helena, was like a big turning point in turning Rome to Christianity. And so she's a saint. And so, and like, Supposedly, she even went on a pilgrimage and found a part of um, the actual cross Jesus was hung on. And that's another thing that I wonder if from the Catholic Church would be considered iconophile, like how they like relics. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always like, oh, this is part of Saint whoever's toe or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun of. I just don't really, you know, I'm not raised Catholic, so I don't fully get it. But they seem to like relics. So the fact that Helena supposedly found a part of Jesus's cross—that's huge. That what I think it just t- it has many ties into why people were calling her the new Helena. Anyway, big fucking deal is what we're getting at. Yeah, it's a good PR comparison for yeah. Irene to be compared to the mother of Constantine, like Constantine the Great. Yeah. yeah, come on now. I mean, sainthood. <laughs> Some people would say that that's that's a pretty big accomplishment. Yeah, right. I bet that would look really good on LinkedIn. Like accomplishments, you know, graduated, summa cum laude, um, am a saint, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they have some really good references. Yeah. Get Jesus on speed dial. Yeah. So they head back home and y'all, Constantine is about 17 years old now and 
I think he kind of thought that after they got home and after his mom returned from, you know, the high that she was on, you know, mm-hmm. from reforming religion, um, that this would be the perfect time for her to just step back, let go and let God and let him rule on his own. However, he was in for a disappointment. Totally <laughs> mistaken. <laughs> and because Irene thought he was a bit of a dick. Like, she didn't really care for him very much. He was a bit of a spoiled brat, which reminds me of um, Catherine the Great and her, her son. Oh, a yeah. A little bit. How she was like, he as he got older, he thought he was going to get more powers, but, and turns out, she didn't care for him very much. About that. About that. <laughs> like, Irene had originally arranged for Constantine to marry a daughter of Charlemagne, who we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier. Mm. He was king of the Franks, which is basically France. You mean they aren't? He was the king of the hot dog weenies? No, he was not just like anybody named Frank. You answer to me. No. I want to be the king of the hot dog weenies. I know. (laughs) But this would have been a really, really good alliance for, for Constantine, or yeah, for the Byzantine Empire, because Charlemagne was super powerful, super tight with the Pope. And really just like the, he's like the up and coming guy, you know, Mm -hmm. but the people of Constantinople were a bit like him, like they they weren't into it. Like, I feel like Irene was like, y'all aren't seeing the big picture, so I'm going to do what I want to do. But in Constantinople, he really wasn't super popular. They were just sort of like, meh. For some reason, they, they had it in their head that he was illiterate, which I, ha- I haven't researched Charlemagne enough to know if he was illiterate, but they just thought that he was like some, they're like, who is this fucking dumbass from the boonies that you're trying to like bring over here, you know? So Irene even sent tutors to France to teach the future princess Greek. So Constantine was into this alliance, we have to assume, because of the power associated with, you know, having Charlemagne as the king. Having um, him as, like, a, a father-in-law. Yeah, yeah he was like, a, this is going to be a big deal. But Charlemagne kept coming up with reasons not to send his daughters. Uh, famously, Charlemagne had, like, ten daughters, and he never let any of them marry. Yeah. <laughs> bad bad move. I mean, well, he was a good ruler, though. Well, I think his, his th- train of thought was, like, if none of them were married, none of them have husbands who try to claim to be king. Touche. Yes. Very good point. Yes. <laughs> Irene was like, okay, well, if we don't have an heir and something happened to me or my son, my husband, psycho family could come back and start some shit. So she broke that engagement off and had Constantine married to another Greek princess named Maria. How do you solve a problem like Maria? Or were you going to go, Maria, Maria? I was going to, yeah, I was going with, I was going with Santana. Maria, you remind me of a West Side Story. <laughs> Growing up in Spend time. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so an exciting thing here, because you know how we said that we think maybe Irene participated in a bridal show. Mm-hmm. We definitely know Maria was picked in the bride in a bridal show because it was the first time that a bridal show was documented. So the first ever bride show that we talk about so much in Russian history and like old ass history, Irene managed. Like it was her that did it. Yes. Maybe not the first one ever, but the first one that people like took the time to like, oh, let's, let's write this shit down. Let's write this down. Might be important. <laughs> yeah. So she actually unofficially started the traditions that we talked about. Right. And anyway, Constantine hates his mother-in-law for this or his mother for this. Excuse me. Uh, he was a total dick to his wife, Maria. Like, unnecessarily like, a dick. Like, out of spite. And poor fucking Maria. She didn't do anything. Yeah, she's, like, not... Was dragged into this marriage herself. Right? And then to add insult to injury, poor Maria never had any sons. So, uh... uh of course, she had daughters, but yeah. still, Constantine is still an ass to her because you didn't have my son. Yeah, like, ugh, fucking men. Not you. every other man but not you nathan (laughs) anyway constantine decides that his mom's moment is over Mm -hmm. like it's time for me to roll roll solo empire like solo emperor 
Um, his first attempt to overthrow her was interrupted by an earthquake. Uh, maybe you should take a hint from God. Maybe that's God, like, shaking, shaking, the ground. <laughs> shaking it up, being like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> then a couple of months later, Constantine finally managed a military coup. And um, the short and long of it is Irene is out of power. Wah, wah. But if this was anybody else, this would be the end of their story. Like, yeah. How many queens are like, oh, they're out of power, and she went to a convent. And bye. But Irene remained at court, and she and Constantine pretended to be friendly. Like but, it was an amicable thing. Like yeah. they had decided to do it together. Yeah, but deep down they fucking really hate each other. Mm-hmm. We all have those friends that like pretend yeah. to be fr- they're mm-hmm. frenemies. They're frenemies. Fr- yeah, so Constantine and Irene are frenemies for the next couple of years. <laughs> so Irene watched in absolute anger for a few years as Constantine literally fucked up everything that she had done to get Constantinople. 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 So good. So she got Constantinople. <laughs> Constantinople's great. And <laughs> he fucked it up. Yeah, so she she basically felt like, dude, you are fucking up all the hard work. Like the last like ten years or whatever that I spent making Constantinople like solid, you're fucking it all up. Yeah. So within two years, Constantine's armies had already lost like two major battles. Mm-hmm. There's this one story of him throwing horseshit at his troops for losing. You know, because that's how you get morale up to like where you need it to be, right? Or you get beheaded as a, a that, I would not Mm-mm. respond well to no, that. No, I don't think anybody did. I don't think anybody oh. was like, oh yeah, we deserved that. That was yeah. fair. So fair. He, he has like zero sense of diplomacy. He's this super hard-headed guy that, you know... He didn't know how to make, like, sensible peace treaties. No, he didn't know how to resolve problems. He caused problems. He, yeah. Uh, resolute. What is it? What am I trying to say? Um, conflict resolution was not his thing. Yeah, he got an F <laughs> on that. So, oh, yeah, he also got an F in finances because uh, he... <laughs> Fucked those up. <laughs> Could not manage money for shit. Mm-mm. So pretty soon there are whispers that maybe everyone had backed the wrong horse. Like, ugh, we were so better off with Irene. Which you know, Irene's just sitting there, like in her rooms, hearing that. Just yes, being like, yes. tell me more. Tell me more about how good I was. <laughs> <laughs> but then things escalated quickly. Uh, when Constantine heard people whispering about replacing him, he just assumed that they meant Nick and the Dicks. Oh. His his four uncles. He was like, well, they they must be the ones starting shit, so let me get ahead of that. And he had Nick and his three other uncles brought to him and he had them he had his uncles tortured. He had Uncle Nick's eyes gouged out. Glorious. And then he had the other three uncles. He had their tongues split. Some people do that for funsies. Uh, but what? I don't think this was... Split? I don't under... Why not just cut it out? Is split weren't... I... Did they have a lizard tongue? I don't know what that means. I didn't see I any visuals. I bet they were really good at cunnilingus after that. Or not. <laughs> or they were full of trauma. I just don't under... Yeah, so they that happened, and then the uncles were sent into exile, and all of the people of Constantinople were like, well, that was a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> like they didn't even fucking do anything. No this trauma. was no, 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 no trauma. <laughs> lots of trauma. Lots, <laughs> lots and lots, lots of, of trauma. trauma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this really hurt his popularity, and his advisors were like, "Hey, look, you're mm-hmm. totally gonna hate this idea, but the people are kind of restless, and they keep comparing your rule to when your mother was a ruler, and." They were a lot happier back then. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to maintain this power, maybe you should, like, bring her back in. Yeah. <laughs> Remember earlier in the story when Irene showed those same brothers mercy? Well, now, by comparison, Constantine looks like a fucking psycho. Well, he sort of kind of is. He looks like they're, like, comparing him to Nero and stuff. Eek. Which, um, unless, in case you missed our Agrippina the Younger episodes... 
Not a good comparison. Nero is not a good look. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you could have seen Katie's little hair flip that she did right there. (laughs) Nero is a bad look. That's not a look. (laughs) Constantine did something unheard of. Nathan, what did he do? He made Irene co-ruler again. Yeah. So she was ruler. Again. (laughs) She'd been on the sidelines for two years, but now she is back. Guess who's back? Back again. Irene is back. back. Tell Tell your friends. friends. (laughs) So, but before Irene can really do any damage control, Constantine pisses everyone off. Again. And he pulls a Henry VIII and puts his wife in a convent so he could marry his mistress. And he he just thought, no one's going to have any opinions on this. This is going to be fine. Okay, if these people were up in arms over a few statues and paintings for a few years, how do you think y'all they're going to feel about this? About putting a lawful wife aside for a side chick. So they were... Not into it. <laughs> Not into it. Direct quote. It was a PR nightmare. Um, but Irene encouraged it. Mm. She was like, there, what, what, what? She hasn't given you any sons and you love your mistress. Like, what? It's going to be fine. <laughs> Knowing very well that it was not going to be fine. <laughs> she was like, yeah, they'll get over it. You're emperor. You do what you like, baby. And she knew that the people were going to be pissed off, so uh, pretty sneaky, sis. I know, right? <laughs> Shady Lady University over right? here. And the people were fucking pissed off. The people were not into it. <laughs> it was a bad move. So when Constantine's new wife gave birth to a baby boy that Constantine named his heir, mm-hmm. that was it. The church, the citizens, court, everyone had fucking had it with him. They were done. We're, Denzos. we're done with this guy. But what... <laughs> happened next isn't very clear. It's a little hazy. Yeah, so either Irene was planning to have Constantine arrested and overthrown, or he just thought she was, uh, or the military was, and Irene's level of involvement is uncertain. She probably got her master's degree at Shady Lady. She probably got her master's degree at Shady Lady University. You're absolutely right. But either way, in August, Constantine was a man on the run. Man on On the the run. run. Running for his goddamn life. Man on the run. (laughs) Yes. And by August 15th, 797, he was brought back to Constantinople as a prisoner. Yes. There, on the orders of his mother, this is what Irene is most famous for. She had her son's eyes gouged out. Damn, Irene. Saint Irene? Uh, <laughs> I guess so. Some people do believe that Irene's soldiers did this without her consent, but would they do something that drastic without getting her written approval first? I mean, I could see them being like, whoops, he accidentally fell in the river and drowned, but not, not like... whoops, he accidentally Gouged his eyes out. <laughs> yeah. like, whoops, I asked, my hands just slipped and pulled and his, pulled eyeballs, his out. eyeballs out. Like, yeah, I don't see it happening without her stamp of approval. Yeah, yeah, yeah agreed. So, what happened to Constantine after that? Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> Some say he died of his injuries, while others say he and his wife and son were sent away into exile and lived in obscurity for ye old unknown amount of time. Right. Um, either way, that's the end of Constantine the Sixth. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Bye bye. <laughs> the people seemed like okay with this. Again, I feel like so long as they're not dying at battle and they're not starving to death, the people don't really care. <laughs> yeah, as long as they're okay, they could give two shits what happens in royalty. Right. I mean, she's Helena, right? Uh She's like, everyone's like, cool, she's back. Things are going to be fine. But guess who wasn't cool with it? Oh. It's a me, the the Pope. The Pope was like, but she's got the vagina. (laughs) So he was like, um, excuse me. 
There's never been boobs and a vagina as a ruler. And on her own. Like when he, when and, she he was, and, and I'm sure the Pope actually talked like that. Too. He was like, oh, yeah. lesson. Lesson money. When she was regent and basically running the show anyway, that was fine. But now that she is ruler on her own. That uterus is just floating around. It's just floating around, <laughs> giving her weird thoughts. <laughs> like, it was, it's just... Mental gymnastics to me that he was like, well, she's already been in power, but now that she's not faking like she's in power for somebody else, who can't have it? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. Jesus is not having that shit. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> I'm gonna pope. I say no. So, super fucked up. Mm-hmm. Because when Irene was on his side and having iconoclasm overturned, he was all about this powerful woman. Right. So, I'm not really sure if it's a thing of... We can't set the precedence of a woman being a ruler th- type of thing. Yeah. Or if it's more like a, I have powerful friends that I need in my back pocket, so I have to get rid of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm kind of thinking. Um, on Christmas Day in the year 800, the Pope crowned our almost in-law Charlemagne, <laughs> the Byzantine Empire e- Emperor. Mm. Uh, luckily, Charlemagne was just sort of like, Cool, but like he never went to try to like claim his land. That's probably a good move. Well, yeah, because the people of Constantinople would have murdered him. They they were like not having it. Yeah, they were like, um, we don't know him. <laughs> but either way, even though Charlemagne never made a move on it, it was such a it was a big symbolic gesture that was such a dick move on the Pope. You know, for sure. And Irene is like, hey, 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 oh, I know how to solve this problem. So she sends Charlemagne a marriage proposal. So Charlemagne is in between the wives down there. So yeah. he doesn't know which wife he's... It's just in between wives. Hmm. Well, he he had like six to ten wives. Like he, like in his life, he, he fucked. He a got lot. around. <laughs> and so he was, he was a bachelor at this point. But honestly, I think Seaman just really didn't want to get involved in the messiness that was happening. Hot mess express. And so he was just sort of, he just kind of left that. He was like, I hear that you gouged your son's eyes out. I'm not going to say yes. I'm not going to say no. And he just kind of never responded. I wouldn't blame him. Yeah. Um, Though some people tell that story the other way around. That Charlemagne sent Irene the request and she kind of just never responded. But I, I kind of more believe it on it. I don't know. Just knowing Irene, I could. She's such a diplomat. Yeah. I could see her being like, responding. This makes sense for us to join our powers together, and it also kind of reminds me of Saeed Al Hura a little bit. Like, I need you to be power. Like, we're both powerful. Let's be powerful together. The way she was with her king no, guy, for yeah, sure. And that's how she shows this political mind that yeah. she has. Um, however, this was. Kind of the beginning of the end of Irene. Yeah. This is when she started to decline. But now that she's on the throne alone, Irene does attempt to do some good in her lands. So she has homes for the elderly built, funded by the state. That's fucking cool. Yeah. Orphanages built. Cash money. But speaking of cash money. Oh, no. They're running a little short on that. They got no cash money? No cash money. So the fighting continued to go on with the surrounding areas, which is pretty much par for the course. Right. In this time in the world. Right. Uh, But remember, vagina. Yeah. Uh, So that's why they're losing the wars. Not because sometimes you just lose wars. I read this one thing, how they were losing a battle. And so they signed a peace treaty and Irene agreed to, as the losing side, like pay X amount for peace. And everybody was like, she's trying to bankrupt us. But this was a very commonly done thing because, yeah, you're paying X amount for peace. But if you went on fighting for 10 more years, wouldn't you lose way more money than that anyway? So this was a very, very common tactic that male rulers used all the time. But because she had a vagina, everyone's like, she's weak. And Uh, she's getting rid. But it was like, it uh, made sense. It was like, okay, did y'all want to die some more and spend even more money? Y'all can't see my massive eye roll right now. Yeah, but like, so I don't think she quit being a good ruler. I don't think she got lazy or anything. I think the microscope on her just got 
bigger more magnified yeah exactly so sadly in 802 she was overthrown after 26 years 26 years that's a lot especially for a woman in grief like like way back in 800 yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean it was off and on but still 26 years of being so influential Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. irene was overthrown by the army and a man that she had appointed as her financial advisor like was named the next emperor don't trust those accountants Mm -mm. (laughs) irene was sent to the island of lesbos where she died the following year among the lesbians (laughs) she was about 51 i'm just imagining like Going to Lesbos and then hearing Fiona Apple. Nothing <laughs> compares. Nothing compares that's, to you. And that's not Fiona Apple. Oh, wait, no. That's oh Sinead, O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> wow. You're so bad at being gay, Nathan. I know. Like, you need to well, go back to lesbian. gay 101. That's yeah, that's lesbian. true. That's true. I don't think either of those singers are lesbians, but anyway. But they're lesbian hot topics. That's true. That's true. Um... <laughs> Irene's, like, her lasting memory, her legacy, she's been, like, I think it's kind of fucked up. Most historians, when you ask, like, who was Irene of Athens, they're going to go, oh, the lady that gouged out her son's eyes. But but there were so many other awesome things that she she did. She was one of the first to rule as a regent for more than a second. And she was the first to be in her own right. And yeah, it didn't last very long. But she still got it on paper. Like She's, her fucking yes. her LinkedIn says Empress for a while. Yes. <laughs> and Saint question mark. <laughs> and so I don't know. While things could have gone better for her, I think she was a great ruler. I think she had a great diplomatic mind. And I just think she's all around cool lady. And maybe her son kind of deserved his eyes gouged out. So Alright, so cheers to Irene of Athens. Cheers. Alright guys, catch you next time. Love you bitches. Mwah.